Generally speaking, for most of his life, my father was a man of few words. I know what some of you might be thinking. Yes, he was my father, and he was a man of few words. You may find this shocking, but I come from quiet, introverted stock. When I got in trouble as a kid, my father wasn't much of an into adjectives and adverbs. He was more interested in the bottom line truth. And if I had any culpability, far more than any other context or background or excuses, frankly, it made it very hard to get myself out of trouble using my gift of the gab. Situational ethics were not his thing either. The phrase, it depends, did not compute. It was right or it was wrong. My father reminds me of St. Mark the Evangelist. Mark didn't mess around either. Our gospel today includes the first words of all the gospels, and there is little background information included, sort of take it or leave it, which leads me to think that Mark may have been a little socially awkward at a dinner party. For in the first eight verses of the good news, Mark briefly recalls an important prophecy from the prophet Isaiah and then pushes the Baptist onto the stage, no time for any overtures. And in four short short verses, Mark completely sums up St. John the Baptist's whole life. Just four verses. Then in the very next verse, he brings Jesus center stage. And before you know it, Jesus is baptized as a 30-year-old. Then we swiftly move on to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And by verse 14 of chapter 1, before we even turn the page, Mark launches into an account of Jesus' public ministry. Wow, no, no time at all for a sweet manger scene for St. Mark. So St. Mark is a no-nonsense kind of guy, a no-nonsense evangelist, no frills, no adjectives or adverbs, just the essentials. But you can appreciate his logic as well. It is, after all, good news. So why beat around the bush, as we say? Maybe he had an advent sense of urgency to get the message out. You know, get down to the basics and do it fast. And not only is St. Mark swift, but he's also uncompromising. We hear Isaiah's prophecy about a messenger coming before Jesus. And as soon as he gets it to us, Mark says, and so it was that John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. No qualifications, no resume. From prophecy to fulfillment in one breath. Take it or leave it. And Mark doesn't talk about a few people from Judea and Jerusalem that came to hear John the Baptist. No, Mark tells us that all the people from Judea and Jerusalem came. Apparently, he made quite a stir that John the Baptist. Because St. Mark doesn't waste time He also doesn't hold us in suspense about Jesus' identity. Some of the other Gospels call it the Messianic secret. Not a nice guy with lots of friends and lots of ancient Facebook likes. For Mark, it is unequivocal. This is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Period. St. Mark was a true believer and wasn't going to hang around wasting time as we make up our minds. He gets in there, and he proclaims the gospel. He is, in a way, really just like John the Baptist, uncompromising. 
And I believe that's just how we should be about the gospel in our own age, uncompromising. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We've been given a precious gift as Catholics that shames from any gift we could possibly give at Christmas time. It follows we've also been given a sacred duty. Go out into the world, St. Mark says, proclaim the good news to all the creation. In his own way, the prophet Isaiah is also uncompromising. That is, to prepare the way. Let every valley be filled in and every mountain and hill laid low. But also, Isaiah gives a tenderness that is missing in St. Mark's gospel. In addition to his messianic predictions, he says that the Lord will be like a shepherd, feeding his flock and gathering the lambs into his fold. So what is this all about? The answer is clear from both Isaiah and St. Mark and St. John the Baptist and well. In their somewhat similar yet always unique ways, they are proclaiming the most important event that ever or ever will happen to the human race. And that is the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This incomparable event that burst onto the world scene over 2,000 years ago deserves some direct language from us as well, most especially today. People around us are watering down our Christian faith. In fact, sometimes we even do it ourselves. We talk about small sins or little white lies. We judge the truth of our faith against our feelings, and then we do what we want. Politicians claim to be Christian and Catholic, yet ignore basic principles of the faith, like the respect of human life. Many mainline denominations, in an attempt to not offend anyone, no longer recite a creed or learn from a catechism about who Jesus claimed to be and who we are as his followers. When it comes to Christmas, even Christians reduce the holiest night of the year to the details of what to eat, what to wear, what Christmas cards to send, that often have no reference to Jesus Christ. The manic buying of the season leads to $465 billion price tag in our country as we shop until we drop or until we reach our credit limit. Yes, the feverish details are what matter in the modern day. And this is why Mark and Isaiah, and John the Baptist, and even Jesus himself, all used uncompromising language. Why? Because they knew better than anyone that the message of God would be compromised by human sin and weakness. But it wasn't what the commercial world would do that bothered them. It is what you and I do as followers of Jesus Christ that matters. It is about our faith, whether we actually do give deference to the teachings of Jesus, the Son of God, or not. Our readings this weekend bid us, bid us to persevere and also to take risks, to have the confidence of St. Mark or John the Baptist and stick our necks out a bit and take up the task that Jesus has given us to go out and proclaim the good news. Notice the words, go out. Going to Mass on, the on Sunday is the first 
concrete step of going out on our mission. Spending time in Advent silence might be another. Learning about our faith would be good as well. But it is also more active than that. As the priest says, at the end of every liturgy, go in peace to preach the gospel, or go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Those are active statements. It can't be done sitting at home on the couch. It is our privileged task, and we were chosen for the sacred ministry by God himself. By our loving, by our serving, we will create that new heaven and new earth that Advent talks about. Revelation tells us that this world will one day collapse and something entirely new will be revealed by God. But that new world shouldn't be a surprise to us. It shouldn't be new or unfamiliar, but rather the fulfillment of all that God has promised and that we have been proclaiming and most certainly all that we have been waiting for.